This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
Doesn't get any better than that. Thank you, Crystal. What a blessing your family is. Bringing those, that girl right on in her path. Going to have another singer. Bless this family. We're really honored to have them in our community, aren't we? Wow. It's good to see you all. We've been gone for about three months, thanks to Hurricane Laura. And then it's aftermath, Derek. And so, uh, been down in Louisiana trying to put things back together, volunteering with volunteer teams that have come down, as well as fixing up our own property. If you want a study in frustration, just come down there and uh, look at the devastation and... and uh, Everything you do, get in line and wait. Wait, wait, wait. And if you're the kind of guy I am, I want to get it done. Uh, no matter how much you push, nothing, nothing comes out the pipe. <laughs> it's an amazing world. Kind of like a third world country in some respects. Though we do have the power back up and water's on. That's, that's wonderful. But it was beyond description. And continues to be. But it's good to be home. Oh, it's good to be in a home church. We attend church every Sunday down there, but it's not like being home. Oh, boy. So good to fellowship with God's people. So I want to share a scripture with you. If you want to go ahead and thumb to it, it's found in Matthew chapter 14. It'll be on the screen, hopefully, here in a little bit. But uh, by way of introduction, I had a dream. I don't dream that much. I had a dream some time ago, and I was near a railroad track. I remember that. And a friend of mine, whose name I'll not divulge for obvious reasons, was walking down the very center of that track. I was aware that there was an oncoming train. Fast-moving train, moving in his direction. He seemed to be oblivious to it. I recognized that there was imminent danger and in my nightmare. <laughs> I shouted warning, or at least I tried to. 
And I became conscious of the fact that no sound, or it appeared that no sound was coming out. But I shouted all the more with greater intensity. Either he couldn't hear or I wasn't saying anything. And I saw it unfolding. And it so startled me that I woke up out of a sleep. And, oh, so thankful. It's only a dream. I wonder what the significance of that. I'm still wondering for that matter. But I have observed in a spiritual sense those who were headed for catastrophe. Maybe they've known the Lord in the past, had a good relationship with him. And I saw them beginning to engage in behaviors that I knew were not only going to be detrimental to them spiritually, but would probably, if it continued, uh, end up in, in, in their having experienced spiritual shipwreck. And in spite of everything I tried to do as a pastor, everything I tried to say, it fell on deaf ears. They, they just didn't seem to have the ability to hear. That's, that's a pastor's frustration. Well, if I could uh, transition now to a New Testament character who's experiencing something physically that I want to take kind of out of context, as it were, because what happened to Peter was a very physical thing but apply that in a spiritual way and make some observations and gain some insight. I want to try to do that. So just as a foundation, let's go to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, story concerning this outstanding personality of the New Testament, Peter. Beginning at verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat, the boat with Peter in it and the other disciples, was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, that means the darkest part of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, and when, the and when the disciples saw him walking on the light lake, they were terrified. I would have been too. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then Peter speaks up. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And here's where it begins to get interesting. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So obviously, as we read this passage, and particularly verse 
30, or a little piece of it, these words beginning to sink. That was, it was real for Peter. It was a physical thing. He was beginning to sink. And um, that was a real experience. However, there are spiritual applications that... Uh, that I think that I've seen, I hope I've seen, as I read between the lines. And I want to make those observations with you today, and maybe somewhere, somebody might get a tad of help from it. So let's look at this scene, and kind of put yourself in Peter's place here. And I make this observation, Peter began to sink, and the other disciples were quite unaware of it. They were oblivious to it. They were not concerned about Peter. And I draw that conclusion from the fact that it was the fourth watch of the morning. It was just before the breaking of dawn. It was dark. And besides that, the sea was tempestuous. The waves were rolling in all likelihood as Peter's feet began sinking beneath the waves, the disciples, they, those who were in the boat, weren't particularly concerned. They weren't praying fervently for Peter. They were probably admiring his courage. And so they were totally unaware that Peter was in trouble. But Peter knew it. And that's my point I want you to get. Peter knew it, and more than that, Certainly the Lord Jesus knew it. And, and the spiritual application I'm making from this is that, you know, you can look at me and say, oh, Richard has it all together. He looks at the man, he's strong in his faith. Man, if there's anybody that is, you know, settled in faith, it's this old veteran, you know. But while you are totally oblivious to my situation, I may know down in my heart that my intimacy with Jesus is off kilter and that I'm struggling in my relationship with him. You see, long before anything ever manifests itself outwardly, there's an inward crumbling and an inward deterioration. And we know it. We may look good. We smile when we come to church, even though with our mask, nobody can tell it. <laughs> but uh, maybe read our eyes a bit. We look good. We're dressed up. We're making a good presentation. And everybody thinks it's just fine. But down in our spirit, we know we're in trouble. The good news that I have to share with you today is that we don't have to go under. We don't have to make spiritual shipwreck. We don't have to lose it all. We don't have to experience catastrophe. We can cry out, as Peter did, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus pulled him right back up on top. And so here at the end of the year when we sometimes take inventory of business and things of that nature maybe it's a good time for us to take inventory of our spiritual lives and say lord how am i doing and if we're discerning that something is amiss that uh, something is out of joint and that we're, we're just not up to par in our relationship 
with God. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing before things deteriorate any anymore to just right where you are. Isn't that something? Right where you are. Right now. Right now. Jim mentioned Jesus is here. Lord, save me. Help me. Put me on top. I don't like what's happening. I don't like it that I'm sinking. And Jesus will respond immediately and restore us to fellowship and relationship. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. So Peter began to sink. The other disciples were unaware of it, but he knew it and Jesus knew it. And Jesus knows everything about you. (laughs) We put on a mask, literally, and we uh, make a good presentation. But God knows our hearts. Amen? And so let's not play games with God. Try, not try to fool Him. He's not fooled. If there's something amiss, He knows it and we know it. So that's the first observation I make. And then I make this observation. Peter, Peter began to stink. Sink. Stink maybe too. <laughs> Peter began to sink. Listen to this. And it was his own personality and temperament that had gotten him into trouble. Now you think about that. Peter began to sink not because he was wicked or was necessary to doing something wrong. In fact, it's what we admire about Peter. This daring Jew, this courageous guy, he's always out front. He's willing to speak when everybody else is remaining silent. The other disciples are just content to play it safe in the boat. Not Peter. Lord, if that's you, I'm out there with you. And it was his own personality, though, that gets him into difficulty. You know, sometimes I make my own problems. Do you? And I I just give you this little insertion of truth. When you're redeemed, when you're saved, God doesn't change your personality per se. If you're an extrovert, you'll probably be an extrovert afterward. If you're an introvert, you'll probably be an introvert. If you're shy before, you'll be shy afterward. You know? But God does take our personality. And he not only redeems it, but he sanctifies it over time and moderates it and brings out the good and damps down the bad. Isn't that right? And every personality has its downside. It really does. Oh, sometimes I envy those people who are the peacemakers, you know. They're just so calm about everything. When I'm just ranting and raving, they just... uh, just but they have a vulnerability. I've, I've seen it. Sometimes they adopt an attitude, everything is beautiful in its own way. Well, not everything is beautiful in its own way. It's good God and good devil. Kumbaya. There are some things that God hates. He wants us to hate them too. You understand what I'm telling you? 
So Peter has a personality. It's the very thing that God can use. It's what God does use in a marvelous way. But boy, we better keep that surrendered to the Lord. He, he, he's the guy that says, Lord, I'm not going to allow them to get you. And he whips out a sword. His own personality gets in the way. More often than not, you understanding where I'm taking this? I'm spiritualizing this, of course. Peter gets into trouble. It's his own personality and temperament that sometimes he has to watch. And I have to watch mine. Wow, wow, wow. Do I ever have to ask God, Lord, moderate what needs to be moderated. Soften what needs to be softened. And you probably need God to help you with your personality and temperament as well. Isn't it wonderful how patient God is? <sighs> I look back over my life and I think, God, I must have worn, worn, no, you can't be worn out, but I sure wore out some of your angels. I know that. They're on an extended vacation right now because I, I, I wore them out. Peter began to sink and it was his own personality that got him into trouble. Let me make another observation. Peter began to sink in very familiar waters. Now, why that observation? Nobody knew the Galilee like Peter did. He had fished these waters since he was a kid. He knew where every honey hole was. I mean, this was his livelihood. His old friend, the Galilee. Man, he knew it. And yet, here he is sinking what in the Galilee. His old friend had turned, as it were, on him, became his worst enemy. But what in the world spiritual application is there to that? We can allow things that are a blessing to us and have been wonderful and positive in our lives to become so familiar that we lose our fear of them. They become commonplace. Hello? Even sacred things. I ask God repeatedly, Lord Jesus, when I hear a song like Crystal sang a moment ago, that God came as a babe in a manger for the express purpose of saving me out of my sins, there was a day when just to hear that made me tingle. But it's old hat now. I've preached it. I've enunciated it every way I know how to say it. It's easy for that romance to wane. Are you here? The specialness of it. It's easy to allow holy things to become commonplace. Like the times... Back there when I would read God's word and it was precious and it was alive and whoa! But I've preached it and I've read it and read the Bible through and when somebody begins to quote a scripture I can finish it up for them. And I can lose the wonder and I can lose the sense of specialness like those times of prayer that once thrilled my soul in the presence of God. Does it still do for me what it 
what it did? Hello? Holy things can become commonplace and actually become a curse rather than a blessing. I mean, I, I pray, as I mentioned a moment ago, oh God, there was a song I used to sing, oh, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all. I pray God will not allow me to, to lose the wonder of it all. I want to keep the romance alive. Amen? You who are married, been married for a while, I, I'm, we're working on year number 59. I've been married all my life, by the way. I can't remember when I was single, can I? I want to tell you, you've got to work at a relationship. All you have to do for it to get stale is just, just do nothing. Just do nothing. And so I, I have to work at the job. And Wanda has to work at the job of keeping our relationship fresh. You've got to save some things, guys. <laughs> and you've got to go buy some gifts once in a while and do something a little special. Boy, am I on shaky ground or what? I'm serious. You've got to make a relation work by working at it. And we need to work at our relationship with God. Don't allow the familiarity of it all to allow you to begin to sink. That's my point. Just keep it fresh. Keep your relationship with God what it ought to be. Then this observation. Peter began to sink in the very center of the will of God. Now that seems impossible. We have a tendency to think if I'm doing what God wants me to do, if I'm positionally where God wants me to be, I'm, I'm immune from sinking. Can I make a confession to you? Don't do it with great delight. Being honest, I've been right in the middle of pastoral duties, and I know God called me to preach when I was a youngster back there, and I've answered the call and been faithful at it all those years. I've been right in the middle of pastoral duties, sermonizing, reading books to get at sermon ideas, developing sermons, making hospital calls, folding bulletins, and a thousand and one other things that you do and become aware that something was wrong in here. I was dry. I felt an estrangement between me and the Lord. My prayer life wasn't exciting anymore. My Bible reading had lost its specialness. Wow. I was right in the center of God's will. And yet I needed something new and fresh. And it's possible. It's possible to be doing the thing God wants you to do and be right in the... He wasn't sinning. God had said, in the person of Jesus, had said, come, and he'd come, he'd obeyed. He was right in the center of the will of God, and yet, Lord, I'm sinking. It's a reason we need to pray for our leaders. Hello, Pastor Joe, 
is an amazing pastor. It's just astonishing to me how he can, Sunday after Sunday, I mean, hit it out of the park, just a message that you go home with your pockets full. But he's immortal. And he's got a great big target on his back. Do you know that? And Satan can attack him through his precious companion faith and extended family difficulties. Hello, he needs our prayers. He, we need to hold his hands up. Satan, Satan is after Jim back here, our youth pastor. Jim, you know that. I know that now. We need to pray for one another. That's the reason the scripture admonishes us to pray for one another. Hold one another up. Because we can be right where God wants us to be and doing the thing God wants us to do and we can still begin to sink. We need God's restorative power in our lives. Amen. So he began to sink in the very center of the will of God. And just to add, kind of right, hook right on to that, he began to sink after long and loyal service. He was not a novice. He'd been at this for, he was one of the inner circle. He had seen all the miracles. Brother, you'd think if anybody ought to have it together, it'd be old Peter. And yet he's the one who's beginning to sink. I wish I could stand here and tell you I've never experienced what I'm preaching about today. I, I came to know the Lord when I was 15, really, really. And I'm 77. How many years is that? It's a bunch. You'd think, wow. Man, he has it together. This old boy is so established. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't pry him loose with a with a big pry bar. Dream on, dreamer. I find myself struggling with stuff that I never even used to have to struggle with. After all these years of loyal service and, and serving God, you have to grant it to the devil in this respect. He's ingenious. He's always got some new tactic. And he never, never gives up. Old brother Silas here is in our... What is Silas? He's up in his 90s now. Served God all these years. And if periodically he'll confide in his old buddy. He'll say, pray for me, Richard. The devil has just given me fits. Good land. Sir, how old do you have to be before the devil throws in the towel? Never. He never throws in the towel. I've known people right at the end of their lives fighting battles like you wouldn't believe. So even after long and loyal service, don't get the attitude, well, I've coasted the rest of the way in. He that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Be on guard. 
the enemy goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, even right up to the end. So he, he began to sink after long and loyal service. And then this one, woo-wee, this one is the one that gives me fits. Peter began to sink when he got his eyes off the Lord and onto something else. So long as he had his eyes on the Lord, he's doing pretty good. But he began to look at the waves. He began to look at the storm. He began to look at circumstances. The devil will get your eyes on anything but Jesus. <laughs> Even good people. Even good people. You didn't hear me. That's one of the biggest, greatest advices I can give to anybody. Don't. Put your eyes on people. No matter how holy they are and how much they want to please you and please God, they will disappoint you. They will. I will. I don't want to, but I will. You'll see a glitch, and there are lots of them. I remember one time I had my eyes on a saint of God. She, she had wings, or so I thought she did. She at least had sprouted them. I thought, man, this lady cannot. She is above us regular mortals. I happened to be her boss, in a sense, positionally. One day she came into my office, and honey, she reamed me out shellacked me, skinned me up one side and down the other. I had never seen that side of Doris. Woo! I didn't even surface for about three months. Uh, that hurt so bad. It hurt so bad. I thought, it crushed me. No! She wasn't capable of that. After I'd healed up a while, I said something to her son. And I said, I, I was really surprised your mother did. He laughed, he laughed. He said, she doesn't have that red hair for nothing. <laughs> no offense to those who may have red hair. He, 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 had, he, he knew, but I'd put her up on a pedestal. That's a dangerous thing to do. The devil is such an expert at getting our eyes on a circumstance, on a storm, on a hurricane Laura, and the devastated houses, and COVID, and nobody getting things done, and insurance companies that won't come through, and ah, you've got your own set of circumstances. Boy, 2020. Goodbye and good riddance, honey. This has been something else. And then the political storm we all found ourselves in. And try as we would, we all got an idea who was going to be the Savior of America. And we prayed that our guy would get in and some of you were pleased and most of you aren't 
And you wonder, oh, the Lord reminded me when I, my heart began to quail in fear, the battle is not yours, but God's, Richard. The battle is not yours, but God's. Not my battle, it's God's battle. Amen? Get your eyes back on me. I haven't abdicated my throne. I'm still in control, still in charge. I still have a plan, and that plan is going to be realized. Amen. Amen. So Peter got into difficulty when he got his eyes off the Lord. And can I tell you, you'll get into difficulty if you get your eyes off the Lord. Well, let me wrap this up. When, when he realized he was in danger, he cried out, Lord, save me in that marvelous, marvelous three-word prayer. But what I find interesting and amusing is that the other disciples, they weren't able to help him. Whether they were too far away, or whether they didn't understand or appreciate the gravity of the situation, the disciples weren't able to help him. But when he prayed that little three-word prayer, Lord, save me! The next word just makes me tingle. Immediately. I love that. Would you say it with me? Immediately. Say it again. Immediately. Now, if I'd been the Savior, I'd have said, Peter, you presumptuous idiot. I'm going to hold you down there for a little while till you turn nearly blue, and then I'm going to let you up out so you learn your lesson. No, 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 no. Immediately. Jesus reached down and pulled him and restored him. That's the thing that's so beautiful to me. Because I've been in situations where I've neglected this or neglected that, neglected the time of prayer. Yes, I have. And I felt like an egg-sucking dog, whatever that is. I felt kind of estranged, and when I maybe would turn, Lord, I, I, I want to... Uh, I felt like you have a good beating coming. I found the Lord saying, Boy, I've missed you, Richard. Yeah, come on into my presence. No retribution. No reluctance. Not marvelous. Immediately. But Lord, I flubbed up, I've stumped my toe, I've gone back to something you've delivered me from, and oh God, I I deserve judgment. Lord, save me immediately. Immediately. Jesus is right there to restore. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.